Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Ethan Fawcett, and I'm a ministry resident here at Rolling Hills. Today, we're coming to the close of our series, Refine. Throughout this series, we've been taking a deep dive into the seven deadly sins, and in today's message, we're looking at the seventh and final sin, pride. In Proverbs 16, we read that pride comes before destruction. If we aren't constantly on alert and aware of where our hearts are, Pride can slowly infiltrate many aspects of our lives. So, to combat this sin of pride, we can grow in another way, in our humility. Our hope is that today's message will challenge and equip us as we continue to grow to be more like Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Well, good morning. Uh, I didn't introduce myself earlier. Some of you may not know who I am. My name is Chase. I'm the family pastor here at Rolling Hills. What an honor and privilege it is for me to be here today as we wrap up our series called Refine. We're going to take a look at another sin today. But before we get there, um, we have been going through these deadly sins, but we always we make the... the uh, the statement is all sin is, is deadly. And what this series has really caused us to do, what I hope it's caused you to do, is some self-evaluation of where you are and where you are in your walk with, with the Lord. And maybe addressing maybe some of those sins in our lives that are keeping us from experiencing the fullness of the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the words that we use throughout the series is the word sanctification. So after you become a Christ follower, there is a process of becoming more like Jesus. That's the process of sanctification. That word sanctify means to be made holy. That word holy means to be set apart. So the sanctification process is the process of being set apart from the rest of this world to look more like Jesus and pursue the will of God. But if you're like me, self-evaluation is hard. It's difficult I don't know about you, but it's hard for me, but I do know this. I know that spiritual growth requires us to do some self-examination, but it also requires us to ask the Lord to do some self, do some examination of our own hearts. The psalmist David wrote this in Psalm 139. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. In other words, God point out those things in my life that are keeping me from aligning my life with you, that are keeping me from intimacy with you. He also makes reference in Jeremiah, the prophet says uh, in chapter uh, 17, verse nine, he says that our hearts are most deceitful and our hearts are prone to wander. So we are to be guardians of our hearts, to watch what we watch, to pay attention to what we're doing. And so Proverbs 4, 23 says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. 
to guard our hearts, to stand watch over our hearts. Because we'll, if we don't, we'll find ourselves maybe in situations we never thought we'd be in, doing things we never thought we would do. You know, uh, guarding our hearts to me is a lot like guarding a toddler. Anybody have a toddler in the house? Raise your hand. Yeah, I have a 15-month-old toddler, and she is into everything, okay? Everything. And let me show you a picture of, of Ellis. This is Ellis. I took that picture after she had just eaten, eaten mulch. And so <laughs> she eats everything. She eats dog food on the daily. I don't know. Um, we, we're okay with it because I think dog food is probably better for for us than our people food uh, right now. So we're okay. Um, but uh, just a few weeks ago, I, I was supposed to be guardian over my toddler. Dad guardian. And so I was, I was you know, doing a pretty good job halfway through the day. And then it went south. And I don't know what happened. Um, I, I, I put her down for a moment and I started cleaning the kitchen. And then all of a sudden there was silence. And anytime you hear silence as a parent, you know, there's, there's problems. There's something's not right. And so I'm looking around. I can't find her anywhere, honestly. I'm like, what, where'd she go? And I'm looking underneath beds. I'm looking underneath couches. I'm looking in her room, obvious. Looking at, she's not there. And then I turn the corner and she's coming out of the bathroom like she is a surgeon prepping for surgery. And her arms were soaking wet. And I looked past her and the toilet lid was wide open. And I was like, oh no. I'll let you use your imagination as to what was in the toilet, but I was freaking out, okay? I took her, I threw up on the, the counter and I'm scrubbing her arms and I'm scrubbing her hands and then I'm like, okay, we got this under control and I look up at her face and she's smiling and she's chewing. And I'm thinking, oh no. So I reached in her mouth, pulled out toilet paper that she found in the toilet, Okay? It's a great dad moment for me, isn't it? So I'm obviously freaking out. When I went to scrubbing her hands and her arms, I went to scrubbing inside her mouth, which that didn't work out too well, by the way, for a 15-month-old. What are you doing? Um, but we were freaking out. We were all freaking out. And all that to say, guarding your heart's a lot like guarding a toddler. Because if you're not careful, if you ignore, if you don't pay attention, you'll find yourself in a mess. I believe our spiritual lives are the same way. We have to pay attention to what's going on within us. Well, what's that little girl up to today? Well, we took this picture two days ago. She's our plumber now. <laughs> She's really good at it. Um, so today, we are going to be talking about one of those sins that is deeply destructive and difficult to detect. That is the sin of pride. It's difficult it's, it's deeply destructive and difficult to detect. And in fact, it's, it's the root of all the other sins that we've talked about in previous. Fighting pride is a lot like fighting a shape shifter. It can look so different. It can appear in all different forms. It can look like polar opposites. The challenge is those who need to hear this message today are often the ones who say, I don't need to hear it. Right? You, you, you don't have a problem with this sin because you're the most humble person that you know. There's a quote that says this in our daily bread. Pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone else sick except for the one who has it. 
That's pride. It's difficult to detect. It's deeply destructive. It destroys relationships. It destroys friendships. It destroys marriages. It destroys our lives. But it's oftentimes difficult to detect. And my prayer today is that we begin to identify some of those different types of prizes that we may struggle with. So we're going to go at a macro level today in just a minute. And then we're going to go get real micro with pride. But before we do that, let's, let's pray. Father, you are holy. You are good. And God, I pray that we are forever changed by your words today. Your words are good. Your words are active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So God, use them to change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So pride. So there's two big, big macro categories here. The first is this, it's building up. Building up. Okay, that can come in lots of different forms. In fact, it could be in the form of self-exaltation, putting yourself above, or self-promotion, kind of the same thing. Putting yourself above anybody. Or it can come in the form of self-justification. Self-justification. I mean, you justify your actions to build yourself up. Or, people don't think about this, but it's either self, it's building up or tearing down. Like, what does it look like? Self-degradation. is tearing yourself down. Woe is me. And then it's self-demotion or self-condemnation. You're constantly beating yourself up. And I think the, the, the word that, that shows up time and time again in each of these words is the word what? Self. Pride is all about self. It's all about me. It's all about my world and what I can get out of this world. And time and time again, I think that's why God speaks out against this idea of pride in our lives. In fact, he says this in Proverbs 16, 5, the Lord detests the proud of heart. He hates it. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. First Peter says this, God opposes the proud. He's in direct opposition of proud. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Pride is repulsive to God. Why is it repulsive to God? Because it contends for supremacy with God. It contends for supremacy with God. It's in direct opposition of God. It, complete, it competes with God. But, but here's what I'm gonna do. Before we get into it much further, I, I just gotta say that before we jump into the different levels of pride, I do believe that there's a thing called pride and a thing called sinful pride, right? Is it okay to be proud of a son or daughter? Absolutely. It's okay to be proud of a son, a son or daughter because whenever you're proud of your son or daughter, you're actually showing delight in them, a deep satisfaction for what they have accomplished. That is good. But you could be proud. It's, in other words, you're pretty much saying, I love my son, I love my daughter. When, they do, when, when you, you say, I'm proud of them, it's very other-centered type of pride. Uh, Jesus actually, whenever he was being baptized, the father spoke to him. Father God spoke to him and he said, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. For example, just let's talk about my uh, church family for a second. I'm proud of our high schoolers for how they serve on Sunday mornings. 
I'm proud that they are leading small groups. I'm proud that they are leading worship. I'm proud that they wake up early to come here to serve our church family, serving kids ministry and elementary or kids ministry and preschool ministry. I'm proud of them. I'm also proud of kids and students who um, take their next steps by way of baptism. Every chance I get before a kid enters the waters, I always try to make a point to say, I'm proud of you for taking your next steps of faith. I'm proud of my daughter whenever she's kind and compassionate to other people. I'm proud of her. But then there's the sinful pride. Sinful pride is this. It's the definition. Ready? It's placing ourselves above others and rejecting our need for God. Placing ourselves above others and rejecting our need for God. There are different categories. Let's go micro for a second of of pride. Pride can show up in lots of different ways. What do they look like practically? How can I identify which areas of pride that I struggle with? And maybe, just maybe, you might be surprised by what you struggle with. I mean, the Lord's been doing some surgery on my heart this week. And, And the first one is this. The first one is, I am better than you, pride. I'm better than you. Jesus actually spoke about this type of pride whenever he talked about the the Pharisees. The apostle Luke says this in Luke chapter 18, verses nine through 14, tells the story of Jesus telling a story. And he said this, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. He said this, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So let's pause there for a second. Let's, let's talk about the two different types of people. On one hand, there was a, the Pharisee. If you didn't know, they were teachers of religious law. They were experts in the law. They memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible by age 12. I mean, they were serious. And also, they not only memorized the law, they added their own regulations to the law to help them obey the law. And they added more regulations to the law to help them obey the law which ended up being like 613 laws when said and done. So they were experts in religion, so to speak. And then you had the tax collector. The tax collector was despised by uh, all the Jewish people. Why? Because the tax collector was the person who was collecting taxes from the Jewish people and giving to the Roman government. And also they were taking some of that money and putting it in their own pockets. So they were despised by so many people. And and the Pharisee, it says next in verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and he said this, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like that tax collector. You know why? Because I fast twice a week. And I give a tenth of everything that I make. Wow. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Two directly opposite positions. And then Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know what the root of their problem was? The Pharisees, much like ours, it was pride. 
See, they were relying on their own efforts, their own righteousness to gain acceptance to God without even realizing just how far from perfection they really were. You know, the Pharisee said to the tax collector, at least, God, God, thank you that I'm not like them. Thank you that I'm not like that guy. You know, I, I believe that the Pharisees struggled with this. The Pharisees stopped seeing that they had, the good things that, that were given to them were a gift from God and started to see themselves as a gift to God. They started to see themselves as a gift to God. I think this is a spiritual type of pride. This pride, and you may have heard this pride say these words. I would never do that. I would never watch that. I mean, what I watch is, has a little bit of nudity, but what, what they watch has a lot of nudity. I would, I would never watch what they watch. I would never drink that. I would never vote for that. Or when it comes to work, Nobody works as hard as me. I mean, I've seen what they're doing. I, I'm, I can do their job better. Or when it comes to current events, right? Current events, everyone else is dumb. No one is as informed as I am. Or when it comes to parenting, have you ever been out in public and kids are going crazy at another table and you're like, we're better parents than them. Like Courtney and I, I felt like we thought that at one point in time with our first child and then our second child came along. And now we're like, this is hard. There's that kind of pride, the I'm better than you pride. Or what about the I can manage it pride? I can manage it pride. You have a hard time receiving. You're, you're too proud to ask for help. You're too proud to engage with a community of people because you don't wanna be a burden or you feel like you don't need it. If, if I'm having a confessional right now with you, um, that this is sometimes a hard, hard one for, uh, for all of us, right? But here's what I think about this, this type of pride if we are not careful. One of the biggest factors for this type of pride is maybe that you rarely pray. And when you do pray, your prayers may seem predictable and faithless. You see, faithful prayers um, admit our dependence on God. Faithful prayers admit our dependence are on God. The lack of prayer is your way of saying, I don't need God, or we place a high emphasis on our own power, on our own merit, on our own knowledge, on our own, on our own um, problem solving, and our prayers become sporadic. Or this type of pride could look like we approach prayer like a child um, making a list out to Santa. And next thing you know, we belittle the power of prayer when we do that. Or this type of prayer looks like, God, I, I thank you for all you've done for me rather than thanking God for who he is. You spend more time and value on what God has done rather than who he is. I believe all these types of, all these types of prayers place a higher emphasis on me. Prideful in the very beginning, we see that this idea um, in the Garden of Eden. You guys know the story in Genesis chapter three. Uh, God had established at the beginning. He said, "This is going to be perfect. This garden is going to be it's going to be absolutely the way I want it. Just don't eat from that tree, right?" And, and so um, the, the enemy, the Satan, enters the garden and he begins to deceive and convince Eve that, hey, you can actually have the knowledge that God has. You can actually be like God if you eat from that tree. So she convinces 
she, uh, he convinces her, and it says in Genesis chapter three, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. I can manage it. I can manage the knowledge. I can manage all of this. I can manage being like God. By the way, Adam took and ate as well. And then sin entered the world and the response was what? Immediate shame. That shame led to embarrassment and that embarrassment led to what? Covering it up. They covered themselves up. What was perfect, sin entered the world, covered it up. I mean, that's what pride does to us, right? That's what sin does to us. We get in the same cycle. Sin leads to lust, greed, wrath, Envy, gluttony, sloth, all those things is the root of all of those things. It leads us to shame. Sin leads to shame. And shame leads us to oftentimes cover it up. Why do we try to cover it up? Because we want to pretend like we're strong enough, that we can manage. This is the pride cycle, right? This is the sin cycle for us. That yeah, sin shame, cover up, sin, shame, cover up, all these things in a domino effect. That's the I can manage it pride. Third thing is this type of pride. It doesn't apply to me pride. You act like you're above the rules. It doesn't apply to me. This is for them and it's not for me. Like uh, how many would be honest in the room and admit that over the past few weeks as we talked about the different types of pride, you sat here and you've listened to a message and you thought, well, this doesn't apply to me, but I'll text my friend because they could really use this message. Right? It doesn't apply to me, but it applies to other people. Let, Let me just get really honest with you. This is my confessional When I'm sitting in a sermon or studying a passage of scripture like this one, it is pride that prompts the terrible temptation in me to not allow the spirit to do surgery on my own heart before I craft a message and say, what do they need to hear? That's a dangerous place to be because in that, in that thought, I, I'm thinking, okay, how can I prepare this message that people will be, be moved by my illustrations and my thoughts and, and my ideas and all these things? And then I say, wait, wait, wait. Pride comes before destruction. The Lord detests the proud of heart. God opposes the proud. Like, oh, God's doing surgery in the course of the week, the Spirit's been just doing surgery on my own heart, reminding me of my own pride. And this is God's word. This is his church. This is his platform. These are his people. And this is for his glory. Like, I can't ever forget that this is all his. And we look at King David's life. We go back to the Old Testament. King David was a man who who was known after chasing after the heart of God, but he got into a situation he never thought he would be in. Right, we go to 2 Samuel chapter 11, and it says in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. David chose to stay back. He should have been at war with, the other, with the, his army. That's what kings did. But he said, I'm gonna take a break. It doesn't apply to me. 
and I'm just gonna relax right now. And what he found himself doing was he was somewhere he shouldn't have been seeing something he shouldn't have seen and doing something he shouldn't have done. Why? Because the rules didn't apply to David. He came to a point in his life with the rules. He abused the position that he was in. Craig Rochelle says it like this, status without accountability is the breeding ground for pride. Status without accountability is the breeding ground for pride. We see this all over the world today. Lack of accountability. David's pride led him to what? Sin. That sin led him to shame. And that shame led him to what? Cover it up. How did he cover it up? He had Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, killed in battle. And that was a domino effect. It was a cycle, right? It was a cycle. It doesn't apply to me. Pride always finds a way to rationalize its own sin, which only makes things worse. Is there any sin in your life right now that you're trying to rationalize? You're trying to say, look, that, it's not that big a deal. It doesn't really, that doesn't really apply in this situation. It really is not affecting me that badly. Is there things that you're trying to rationalize? So there's three different types of areas, categories that maybe we can fall into. And if I'm honest with you, like I found myself falling into all of these categories at one point in time or another. Have you? What categories do we fall into and what do we do when we recognize it? What do we do? How do we move forward from this situation? How do we move forward in our sanctification process? Peter, who is kind of a, a rebel, you go to the New Testament, Peter was, was kind of hard-nosed, he was rough around the edges, and, and there was a point in time where Peter's pride got the best of him before um, Jesus was, made his way to the cross. He sat with his disciples and he said, hey guys, this is what's gonna happen, I'm gonna be arrested, and you're gonna scatter. You're gonna leave me. Peter, he stepped up. He said, I'm not like the rest of these guys. I would never leave you. I would never deny you. What ends up happening? Peter denied Jesus three times. And when pride could have led him further and further away from Jesus, he humbled himself. Later on, Peter wrote this in 1 Peter. He said, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up in due time. Jesus lifted him up and only fueled his passion, and, and Peter actually led the birth of the church because he humbled himself. The antidote to pride is humility. The antidote to pride is humility. Humility doesn't mean thinking less about yourself. I think that's a, that's a misconception to think less about yourself. In fact, that is a very prideful, prideful thing when you think less about yourself because that's self-degradation, that's self-demotion, that's self-condemnation, right? And so when you think, when you think, woe is me, that's still pride because it's all about you. But in this, humility is simply thinking of yourself less, thinking of yourself less. So what do humble people do, by the way? How, how, how do humble people live? Well, the Apostle Paul writes it, and he first, first the point is place a high value on putting others first. 
Humble people place a high value on putting others first. The Apostle Paul says it like this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. What does that look like practically? What does that look like? Who do we look to? Well, then it goes on. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. If we're gonna become more like Jesus, then we have to look at Jesus's life, who being, made, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, not a king, not a mighty warrior. He made, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in the human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself, get this, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, humility looks like, a lot like sacrifice. It looks a lot like sacrifice. Jesus flipped the script in this world and calls us to be countercultural and to look more like him. As I was doing this study, um, I, I, I found an author. His name is Tim Elmore. And Tim, Tim Elmore um, is an author that during the, the height of the pandemic in 2020, he, he actually went around to different nursing homes. And in those different nursing homes, he interviewed people who were 85 to 95 year, years old and he asked them about the Great Depression. How did you get through the Depression? And every one of their answers, well, we looked after one another. We placed others as above ourselves. It was less about me and more about we. Some of the stories that came out, well, they would go to the end of their driveways and they would meet together, families would meet together at the end of their driveways and they, was, they would be like, all right, you, you plant and grow cucumbers, you plant and grow squash, you plant and grow uh, tomatoes and they had these variety of vegetables and then they gathered all the crops together at the church and they distributed it out to the community because they had a high value on we instead of me. See, Jesus flips the script. As a church, we're called to treat others the way that Jesus treated others with love and compassion and kindness and all those things that makes up who Jesus is. I'm proud of our church for the ways that we do that. So first is humble people place a high value on putting others first. The second thing is humble people confess sins. Confess. First John says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. James 5 says this, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, healing does not happen without confession. If we're struggling with something inside of us, if we're struggling with that sin, guess what? It does not, healing does not happen without confession. We need to confess sins because it's sin that has an enormous impact on our lives. Sin that can create unhealth, that, those unhealthy habits and lifestyles. When we confess our sins, it, it breaks the stronghold that it has on our lives. It breaks the stranglehold that it has on our lives. The Bible says that there is even power when we confess our sins to one another. 
Like having those people in our lives, those Christ-following brothers and sisters that we can go to and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Yes, there's power in confessing to God, but there also is accountability and power in confessing to one another. Break the pattern of shame. Confession. Lack of confession is rooted in pride because you either say I'm better, I can manage it, or it doesn't apply to me. The last thing, humble people, surrender. Humble people, surrender. You know, what is the posture of pride? Oftentimes, the, obviously, the posture of pride looks like this. Pride is this. Pride is replacing ourselves above others and rejecting our need for God. Pride is all about turning the camera on yourself. Right? Turning the camera on yourself and saying it's all about me and what I can get out of this world and what I can get out of this life. It's less about others. And we oftentimes think that the opposite of pride is, is just to Maybe sit down, right? If we can just sit down, this puts us in a posture of humility. And this is a level of submission, right? But here's the thing about this position. It's really half-hearted. Because at any time, I can really get up. I can move wherever I wanna go. I can do whatever I wanna do. This type of posture may not be the answer. But maybe the opposite of pride is this. Maybe the opposite of pride is to get on our knees in submission. But I would argue that the opposite of pride is not this. The opposite of pride is this. And you're thinking, this is awkward. (laughs) I get it. If you're tuning in with us right now, if you just got on, I'm not having a heart attack. (laughs) Everything's okay. But this posture is in total surrender. I'm totally vulnerable in this position. There's nothing that I can do except, God, I'm yours. And the awesome thing is that Peter says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And he will lift you up in due time. There are areas in your life that you need to confess. There are sins in your life that are keeping you from experiencing the fullness of the freedom that you have in Christ Jesus. I think there's a couple of different responses that you can have in this. And maybe, maybe for you, is it this maybe the first time acknowledging your sin separates you from a holy God and, and then it's your time to put your trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. And through your belief and trust in him, he covers all of those sins, past, present, and future. Surrender. Or maybe 
you've been a Christ follower for some time now. You have these sins or hidden sins in your life that are keeping you out of alignment with God, that are keeping you uh, out of an intimate relationship with him. And maybe this morning it's your time to come before him and say, God, I surrender those things. I, I confess those things before you. They're keeping me from fulfilling what you want from my life. See, here's what I believe pride does. Pride oftentimes keeps us from forgiving others or receiving forgiveness. So my prayer for us as a church family that we would be people of surrender and we will allow him to work in us what is pleasing to him. So Father, this morning, I pray that our posture of our hearts is total surrender. We are nothing without you. God, thank you for the the gift of your son, Jesus, as we remember today, your death, burial, and resurrection, and the fact that your sacrifice changes our lives forever. And God, I pray that as we remember you, as we look at maybe the things that are, that are opposed from you, God, that we would confess those, and God, we would live for you. God, what a great privilege it is to be called your son, your daughter, God, continue to sanctify us. Make, us. make us new from the inside out. Change our perspective. Change our hearts. God, may we live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of our Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, subscribe to it or share it with some friends. You can also check out some of our other podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcasts, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful for you.